Hello and welcome to the latest episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinell, and this week we are looking at uh, the Season 2 episode, Frankie and Ellie Get Lost. And uh, joining me as we go through this episode is comedian, actor, and uh, host of uh, the Library Hours podcast. It's Reed Bryce. Reed, hello. Hello, everybody. Very, uh, very excited to be on 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 the show. Uh, the critic it was a very formative uh, program in my in my childhood years. I was somebody who actually watched it as it aired in one of the probably dozens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I I also watched it when it aired. Probably not until it moved to Fox because I wasn't mm-hmm. a big ABC watcher back in the day. But yeah, definitely would have. Uh, oh, been watching I when it was. I forgot the confusion because I yeah, uh, yeah. I don't re- I don't remember I don't remember if I if I watched all of the ones as they started on ABC because I don't it's just, you know it's been like literally almost three decades. <laughs> right, but right. I do remember it, it just suddenly being on a different network and that was confusing. Uh, my my family our only real uh, form of recreation was watching TV, so of course I I was able to like trace it <laughs> to its new home and uh-huh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I remember. Uh, I, I remember, uh, did, did they have uh, Jay Sherman do the crossover episode with The Simpsons to try to, like, help usher them in on the new network? Or was that, like, a, a, a different t- piece of the timeline for the, the critic? I don't remember. Uh, no, yeah, that was definitely to, yeah, like, promote the critic on Fox and, um, yeah, help get viewership and everything. And um, there's actually a bit of a story about that because uh, Matt Groening was against the whole idea they were like, he was like, you know, I don't want, you know, it's it's going to be like, it's for the critic. It, it doesn't really benefit the Simpsons at all. So why are we doing it? And so he so he took his name off that episode. So you don't see Matt Groening's name in the credits on that one. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, he hadn't quite uh, ascertained at that point that the Simpsons were very much out of his hands and, and yeah. belonged to whatever corporate entity needed to milk them for cash at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it ended up being uh, – if you, if, if you did not watch that uh, that, that particular episode or, or whatever, audience, that actually is one of – that has some of my favorite uh, uh, bits in it, though. It's it, That's the one where they do the, the film festival in Springfield, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's got, you know, Boo Earns, Man Hit by Football. Yeah, a lot of classic, classic and, bits. And, and what is it? Like, uh, don't pray for me, I'm already dead. Is that Barney's line? Oh, yeah, yeah. Barney's amazing short <laughs> film that he makes. <laughs> <laughs> we are going, I am planning to cover that episode once we get through the whole run of The Critic, which is uh, coming up. There's only a few episodes left after this one. Oh yeah, so yeah, you'll get into the extended universe, but like you said, we're uh, we're 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 in the in, in the middle of the, the second season here. Uh, and uh, do, do you know much about like like how many seasons did the critic get? Just the two? Uh, just the two, and mm-hmm. uh, th- they they sort of brought it back. Um, they tried doing some webisodes. Oh, the webisodes! Yeah. I remember. <laughs> I was like, it was like I don't know if it was even Web 2.0 at that point. Uh, I, I remember I had I definitely still had dial-up internet, but it doesn't say much because I grew up in like the rural J- Joshua Tree area is where I was probably watching oh, okay. those at that point. Uh, but yeah, I, I remember there being like a little like was was the website formatted to look like the like the him in the in the in the Gracie films looking uh, theater. Uh, I remember at least some part of it looked like that, the, the set of it. And, it was, and I, I remember thinking it was really cute. And then the episodes just 
it stinks. Yeah. <laughs> they were not they were not, they were not uh, up to the same uh, level as the original series in my opinion, but you know. Yeah, I mean the webisodes. <laughs> I mean the webisodes are really different. Um uh well well like yeah, well I was not even aware of them at the time. I didn't discover the webisodes existed until I got the critic on DVD cuz they're included as like a special feature. Oh, and I was me. like, "Oh, what are these?" <laughs> and like, yeah, there's uh they're only like 4 minutes long and they're uh, they were produced in like the year 2000, so that would have been on like I don't know, flash player or God forbid, real player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I want to say it was probably a flat because uh, I around the uh, year two thousand, I was like, I was still in high school, but I was, I was like, I was a comedy nerd from the jump. I was somebody who was like already, I was getting into like the kids in the hall in like seventh grade, and so I was, I was an online nerd just trawling mm -hmm. around. And when, when I, when I realized that they were, they were bringing the critic back, I got so excited, <laughs> and then it was like, uh, it, it, like uh, part of what I love about the critic is like the, uh, the original series is like how, how beautiful and fluid the animation is with like those great looking like painted uh, uh aesthetic to it and that it just was not the same it was so much flatter and, and like jerkier <laughs> yeah because like yeah animation in the year 2000 when yeah most people were probably still on dial-up yeah they really had to like simplify things and it yeah it just doesn't it just doesn't look that good. <laughs> but I'm always going to love it because it's always, you know, it's love it. Uh, I'll also say, full disclosure, uh, I say that as though I'm going to get in trouble or something. <laughs> uh, I actually went to the same college, the same drama school that John Lovitz went to. And so I, oh, wow. you can even probably tell by the vaudevillian nature of my voice that, I, <laughs> that, that people like John Lovitz had a very big impact on me. And so like finding out that we even went to this, we had the same acting teacher was, was such a thrill. <laughs> and he even, uh, while I was there in my, in my final year, he came and like uh, spoke to my drama school to like g give us a speech on how to be a professional actor. Huh. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, the Claire Travers, uh, uh, the, the Claire Travers School of the Arts in Irvine, and it, he was so amazing because it was all of these kids who were really up their own butts about, uh, you know, being a serious actor and uh, had that sort of like, oh, you know, I'm gonna go to Chicago or New York <laughs> after I graduated. I'm going to take this seriously, and they would ask him the question of like, oh, what what city should I be moving to if I want to be taken seriously? And he just went. If you're talented, they'll fly you on both coasts. Next question. <laughs> it was nice. so great. And he brought his dog to the he brought his dog to the speech as well. <laughs> oh my god, what kind of dog did he have? I want to say it was a corgi. <laughs> okay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it was a it was a thr it was like the thrill of a lifetime. I was such a nerd. I was like I, I, I was just like Oh man, if I ask him about like the 85 season of SNL where he was like, when he got saved out of that uh, uh Lauren, they did a weird thing on the on the on that season cuz it was the it was the it was when they had hired all of those stunt castings of like uh Robert Downey Jr. and, and Anthony Michael Hall. It was oh. such a terrible season that uh they did a bit that was so dark. At the end of 85, they had a, a section where all these uh, actors were pretending like they were teens in a high school and they got trapped in a burning locker room or something. And then uh, uh, Lord Michaels comes in and only saves Lovitz out of the building. <laughs> and, then, and then the next year, he was the only cast member who was brought back. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so I, it was like, as you can see, yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hardcore Lovitz fan. So I was very thrilled that you asked me to be on the podcast. <laughs> oh, awesome. Awesome. I, I, um, I have not watched much of SNL from that particular era. I just remember like they had, 
Jim Belushi on as kind mm-hmm. of a low rent replacement for John oh, Belushi, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've come around actually to, to Jim Belushi. I think his Twitter is pretty funny. Uh, but you know, at the time he was also very much like, and this is the other Belushi. Uh, right. yeah. <laughs> uh, the other one is I don't know. Remember, I don't remember if uh, if if uh, John had gone to you know. The, the big K-hole in the sky yet or not, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure when he died exactly, but... Well, anyway, let's say we get into this episode. Uh, yeah. Frankie and Ellie get lost, and, and I have to say, this might have what I think is the funniest joke in the entire series. Oh, really? We'll get to it later, but, I mean, a, a lot of people, when I bring up the critic, uh, they, they'll they just, like, say this, this joke. Well, it's the... Uh, the penguins can't fly. Uh, oh yeah, you know, yeah, sure, sure. We'll, people we'll get fucking that love one. that one. <laughs> I mean, I love it. It's so perfect. But uh, uh, yeah, it's great. And actually, this this whole episode is great. This is this no is one uh, of the. I, I actually I took no, I had to start taking notes because I was like, there's so many great bits. Uh, like you know, uh, if people want to study like how joke formats go, and like they'll say like, oh yeah, The Simpsons has so many uh, jokes per line. The critic uh, keeps terrific pace like and it has oh, a yeah. lot of its own it has a, a lot of its own self-contained bits uh throughout the entire uh format of the series even in the opening uh credits you always get like a running gag the same way that you have the simpsons uh, couch gag uh sherman always has like uh jay sherman always has two running gags on, on yeah. his that are that are new he, he's like I, I gotta get the one up on them for that so like in the beginning you get the the, the telephone gag when he, he always gets woken up by the telephone and on this one uh which is an interesting uh they did a weird a weird bit where he's where where uh he, he answers it and, and the lady's like mr sherman this is from your dating personal yeah. website we've got all the responses for you hello jay this is manhattan magazine we've got some responses to your personal ad no 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 and no and it was really interesting because at this point, also in the, in the same episode, he's dating someone. So <laughs> I was right. like, well, they just put that in there. <laughs> right. Like, for no reason. It's it's totally contradictory to the, the format, but who cares? Uh, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe they're Polly. <laughs> oh, Jay they Sherman. Been, they would have been really progressive if that was the case. But <laughs> My two girlfriends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, we also get the um, – the opening movie parody, I think it's the the Fred and Ginger dancing. Are tap and... dancing around, and then all of a sudden they get eaten by the, the, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it's awesome. Um, and then as the episode opens, um, as most of them do, we are on Jay's show, and he's reviewing Ken Burns' new documentary, Electric Football. If you ask me, electric football is a metaphor for America. Always shaking, always noisy, never really knowing where it's going. <laughs> Wait a minute. America's nothing like electric football. It's just a stupid game that doesn't even work. Get that camera off me. You heard me. Get your documentary and make them butt out of here. Yeah, no, it, it's something like 18 or 19 hours, which, which tracks for a Ken Burns thing, because I do love a Ken Burns documentary, so I was like, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as, a kid, I, as a kid, like when The Simpsons or or, or, uh, or the critic would make Ken, jokes, I would, uh, Ken Burns jokes, I would not know what they were talking about but now i uh i I just watched the hemingway one have you seen that one or do you watch any of ken burns uh i mean i've seen a little bit here and there um i've i've never watched an entire one because yeah they're who's got the time they take weeks to finish yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) uh uh but i love uh i love that them playing on that 
sort of trope of going contrastly, like the, the sharp way of like someone going over the edge. Because Ken Burns stuff, if you've never seen it before, it's always very gentle, uh, pushed uh, static images going across the screen while people with PhDs yeah. softly <laughs> tell you the, the Roosevelt's, they rose to prominence in the 1890s. <laughs> and you're like, okay, great. I'm going to not fall asleep to this. And in this one, you just see one of the talking heads kind of just lose it, pull a shotgun on on, on Burns and tell him to get out of his face. <laughs> oh, yeah, the, uh, the old man man who i guess played electric football back in the day uh yeah that whole um ken burns style very typical of the whole like pbs documentary thing like i don't know if he kind of invented that or if they put his stuff on pbs because it fits right in but it's very oh, yeah it seems like it typified it though because he's been in the game a long time if anyone's in, uh, shaped it it's probably been him <laughs> yeah <laughs> him and uh, <laughs> so um so then yeah after that oh yeah like the review gets interrupted by duke phillips because yeah, he's like saying, we, we got we got we got to cut to, to show these cat videos of these two cats playing table tennis together ah <laughs> <laughs> oh, they are cute i mean kind of ahead of the game because like yeah people love cat videos no i that's what i was gonna say is like the, this this show really had a good figure on the pulse of what you know, the typical American viewer actually wanted to watch. And I was wondering if, like, at the time that this might have been a takeoff of, of the uh, success of a show like America's Funny Home Videos. Probably. I would yeah, have to imagine, uh, you know, so. I, I have to imagine if you're a Harvard, like, Ivy League grad and then your <laughs> show is not keeping up in the ratings with something like America's Funny Home Videos with Bob Saget, <laughs> like, pre still pretending he's not a degenerate and, and <laughs> the clips uh, of, uh, of, like, old people, like, Getting off the bus and, and, and falling down and busting their faces open, or 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 cute little cats just like you know playing table tennis. But even Jay Sherman is like, oh yeah, they're really cute, and he, he can't even he succumbs to their charms as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, who doesn't love cats? Like, I have four, so yeah, I absolutely do. <laughs> oh wow, wow. <laughs> and I that's mean, the, that's the that's the reaction of every every man on every dating site that I talk to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh wow! <laughs> um, what what are their names? Uh, they uh, I, it's sort of like a, a roommate uh, Brady Bunch situation where I had two and then he had two. So okay. I, I'm not someone who's like uh, Greg gardening my way to, <laughs> <laughs> to get ownership. Uh, my cats' names are Sylvia and Saint Vincent. You know, be as pretentious as possible if you're going to be a cat person. <laughs> and uh, and then Henley and Walsh are his cats. Yeah, four four very uh, human sounding names. Uh, whereas like uh, dogs are usually named like. Barfo or something <laughs> or peanut <laughs> well i have a dog named little mac after the uh video game character amazing i love yeah. it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then after this uh we basically get to jay's parents house basically they are celebrating their 40th anniversary alice seems a little worried to go over there uh, but Jay says, you know, she's going to do better than the last girl he brought home, which... Yeah. <laughs> Son, your new lady friend seems awfully quiet. I'll just poke her with this fork. I don't know if it was like an inflatable sex doll or just a balloon that looks like a, a woman, but yeah. One of the most surreal bits of the entire series uh could yeah, get like you said very little explanation the the, the the critic does not always 
care if you if you understand a joke, even if it's a wild, like very far out, like a uh, visual gag. I want to believe that they were just making a Jay Sherman is a, an eternal virgin, even though he has a son. <laughs> <laughs> like that, they love to play both sides of you with Jay. Because yeah, his father Franklin just go, uh, he just picks up a, a fork and, and sticks it right into the arm of his uh, otherwise silent uh, date, and she goes whizzing around the room like a balloon who's uh, losing all of the air. And yeah. uh, as they arrive at the party, Franklin immediately comes over and tries to, to stab Alice in the arm. <laughs> and yeah. he goes, "Oh, she's a real one." <laughs> yeah, and um, and yeah, you you mentioned just like jay kind of seems like he kind of has that virgin energy even though he does have a, a son they they kind of turn him into sort of like a george costanza type where he's you know uh they kind of portray him as being not very attractive or and sort of always complaining i guess about how he doesn't do that well with women or whatever but if you look at the run of the series like he does really well for for, yeah. for someone he gets and, I, and, and and no offense to anyone um who is uh ultra wealthy and uh on, on like the less <laughs> uh conventionally attractive side billionaires tend to do well no matter what they look like i would just say that. right yeah yeah <laughs> uh yeah they got no problems on that front <laughs> so yeah franklin pokes alice with a fork um, and then, yeah, so Eleanor just kind of says that the, their marriage, I guess, is not doing well. And then Franklin does his, uh, Elka bong thing. Just Franklin yeah. being Franklin, <laughs> just acting completely wacky. Oh, our marriage is at a new low. Franklin just isn't the man he used to be. Make way for Elka bong. Kabong! Very good, sir. Yeah, because, like, he has this entire, like, Zorro character that he pulls out whenever he wants to be violent, violent with somebody, and it's just him taking an acoustic guitar, smashing it over his head. That's his Zorro move, and he just goes, kabong! <laughs> and that's the entire bit. I want, I'm like, what What was that joke? Was it Was it a reference to something? Who oh, knows? Oh, it's, um, it's from Quick Draw McGraw. The, uh, oh, is it? Yeah, the old Hanna-Barbera cartoon about the... What was he a donkey or a horse or something? Quick draw McGraw would have had a uh, an alter ego, I guess, called El Cabong, which is literally like, yeah, he puts on like a Zorro mask and the hat, and he's got the guitar that he bonks people oh, with. Oh, okay, okay, that's that's very funny then to have like that sort that sort of like upper like the wa are they wasps? They very much are played that. Oh, they're way. definitely <laughs> they're definitely wasps. <laughs> uh, yeah, that uh, that 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 guy. That's his alter ego is the same. Okay, that, I'm glad to, to that my gut was right. That was like a direct reference to something. I just had uh, uh, Hanna Barbera is like in my in my uh, not necessarily in my. Uh, what I grew up with in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Yeah. But, and you know, this show definitely goes deep for a lot of references. Uh, oh, like yeah. I think in just the, the last episode or the one where uh, Duke runs for president, he, uh, as a publicity stunt, he marries June Lockhart, who is um, <laughs> the, uh, who was the mom on the original lost in space. That's amazing. So, <laughs> so they pull out all these, you know, old lost in space jokes. Oh, and she was also on Lassie. So they do Lassie jokes. And I Amazing. had to, yeah, I had to literally look those up because it's like, okay, I'm not a June Lockhart expert. So I need to, I need to no, do some uh, research. The thing that I love about 
studying the the references that these sort of writers would have been making because I was thinking about in the same way that like like your Lucases and your Spielbergs and stuff they were the first generation who really grew up uh, uh, watching movies to the point that they were going to like professional film schools and stuff for it. it wasn't it was like we were coming out of the wild west in the same way that these were all these people who were like growing up with the first generations of television and classic television and injecting that into 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 uh, the over of what like the, their universes looked like and so you do get those amazing deep cuts from from people who are TV nerds the same way that we are <laughs> right yeah no yeah because they were growing up on what would have been like flash gordon and like um i guess alan quartermain was like the big inspiration for indiana jones and etc um and yeah definitely like the uh writers of this show definitely big nerds so they love to throw in references to the shows and characters that they love so after this we get uh oh yeah margo the uh daughter shows kind of this this movie about the history of uh, Eleanor and Franklin's relationship. Meanwhile, in Manhattan, everyone's turned out for the marriage of Eleanor Wigglesworth and Franklin Sherman. Franklin, a Rhodes Scholar who's never had a drink in his life, samples the punch whipped up by young Ted Kennedy. <laughs> Just a lot of great kind of historical jokes here. Like, I loved the Mar uh, Marlon Brando and Liz Taylor at the Oscar party, and they're just uh, going uh, going ham on, on two giant plates of food. And the narrator, like, has to go out of its way problematic to, to point out that, like, that, that, that at one point these these uh, these A-list stars will not have the same youthful metabolism they always have. It's just, like, <laughs> this show had, like, there was no, there was no uh, pu punch too cheap for this show. <laughs> no, definitely not. Which is part of its charm at this point. You just kind of have to take it, take all, all of its words <laughs> with, with, the, with the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I had a previous guest who, who said, you know, you, ha you kind of have to put on 90s glasses to, uh, to appreciate the critic because yeah because yeah there's definitely a lot of problematic humor that that pops up here and there but we also get in this little uh uh movie um we actually kind of see the origins of franklin he starts off as uh, i don't know this like you know really intelligent upstanding guy and then he uh and then ted kennedy like spikes the punch at a party and he immediately just turns into the Franklin we we know and love today he just kind of you know <laughs> yeah it's a it's a uh, it's a transformation uh, uh, by way of like the three stooges where uh where Ted Kennedy spikes the punch and that he uh he immediately goes into the the curly from the three stooges bit where he where he goes whoop, 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 and yep. like ends up on the, <laughs> circling on the floor uh and then uh Kennedy uh, ends up getting in a fight with who turns out to be the third stooges Albert Einstein who's also there <laughs> Said, not explained at all other than he was another historical figure at the time and they end up uh, pieing uh, Mrs. Roosevelt in the face because she's yes. playing that she's playing she, she, uh, there are three stooges uh, foil was always a, a wealthy woman who just was like oh, yeah. I'm not here for that you know <laughs> and, and then yeah and that's how they they um because they sort of were like all right we're really going to be going off the deep end with how out of it Franklin is so let's let's really set the stage that at one point he was a human being so that you understand why uh, Eleanor or, um, uh, is so dismayed by, by how far God he's got. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, so sort of in, in a, uh, uh, a bid to kind of fix their marriage, Margot gives them a two-week vacation to a tropical island. I'm sorry, Jay. To appease the volcano god, we must sacrifice a virgin. 
Did you have to tell everybody? Ah, I'm hot! After that, they had ten years of pestilence and plague. It is, and Jay says, it's where I had my honeymoon. Yes. And then they do a great uh, a great cut to uh, flashback to Jay on his honeymoon with it, with his loveless wife. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, again, they, they keep the, the problematic elements rolling. Uh, a, a, a tribe, a, a local tribe, uh, whisks up Jay because he's the virgin they're going to sacrifice to their yeah. volcano god. He gets thrown in and just, like, calmly goes, ah, it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> and then he gets he gets rejected by the volcano is how I read the, this visual gag of it like erupting and spinning him back out back into the same uh, beach chair where his uh, loveless wife is still waiting for him and he's got a smile on his face so he didn't die yeah <laughs> and, and he even says after that they had 10 years of pestilence and plague oh <laughs> uh, yeah um so uh then we immediately get to Franklin and Eleanor driving to the airport and Franklin is driving uh, like a madman because he's kind of imagining himself in like this like Donkey Kong kind of uh, video game. Oh, no, it's like, amazing. You're like, where? what exactly is happening? You see the Donkey Kong character throwing the barrels. Uh, the reason why Franklin was honking and weaving around was because he believes that the honk button, well, in his, uh, his point oh, of yeah. view, is, allows the car <laughs> to jump up over the barrels. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, to his credit, they get to the, the airport safe and sound. <laughs> yeah, they do make it, um, amazingly. And, um, and I wasn't sure if... if this was maybe a reference to something that was going on at the time, but like the the airport is on strike or the the airline is on strike. Yeah, the Incontinental Airlines is on strike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he he, he bongs the pilot for daring to to uh, yeah. to not take his uh, help as Elkabong. <laughs> right. And uh, and they 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 uh, have to uh, just see who will take their ticket, and it ends up being the uh, the Hindenburg Air, Air yes. Airways, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whose tagline is "Oh, the humanity." <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so they, you know, end up on Hindenburg Airways, and, you know, who could have predicted that something would go wrong with that? Um, and then, yeah, this is, this is where we get that great joke. They're, they're on the plane, and Eleanor's like, Franklin, the plane's acting very erratically, go talk to the pilot, and he gets up there, and uh, I'll let you, I'll let you set it up, since it's your favorite bit. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, so Franklin goes to the cockpit, and he finds that the plane is being flown by a penguin and not only that a penguin who has been drinking (laughs) a penguin and he's been drinking wait a minute penguins can't fly penguins can't fly and they do this classic almost like wily e coyote kind of thing where the plane is doing fine until they actually call it out and uh, Franklin says, wait a minute, penguins can't fly. <laughs> I mean, as far as wordplay goes, I don't know if it gets better than that. Oh, yeah. And it just then a, a 90 degree uh, drop out of the sky. And, uh, uh, and 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 we are presumed to think that, you know, anything could have happened to them. Yeah. Uh, so their plane goes down and then we get to uh, Jay uh alice and Margot watch the the uh video will of franklin and eleanor and we get just a lot of really great uh orson wells jokes hello i'm orson wells 
What follows is a terrifying journey into the world of magic, mystery. Mr. Wells, this is a video will. What? Look, I don't need to do this. I've got a fish stick commercial in an hour. Oh, what the hell? I need the money. We uh, can time this back to because Orson Welles passed away in like 1985. And so and this episode is from 1995. So this is already a decade old uh, video will that they, they just must have had kicking around on retainer. <laughs> and Orson Welles is uh, in, his, in his like end of his career having to take fish stick commercials. Yep. <laughs> uh, thing, which is so great. It's one of my I think this is be- almost better than the Penguin line where he's just like he he, he at the end of the bit uh, after the will, he's he's eating the fish stick that he was uh, he had with him, I guess, to prepare for his fish stick commercial role. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just carving them down and goes, oh, oh. And remember, there is no fish stick like Mrs. Pell's. This isn't a commercial. I know. That was just a declaration of love. Yes. Oh, yes. They're even better raw. Oh, they're almost better raw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So disgusting. Orson Welles uh, eating frozen fish sticks out of the box. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Maurice LaMarche doing his uh, Orson Welles impressions, uh, which is just always great whenever um, it it happens on this show. He's done Marlon Bra- – or um, he's done Orson Welles in a few other episodes and Marlon Brando. But, um, uh, but yeah, such a great impression. Uh, yeah, but they uh, they set up that that Jay is going to be the heir to to their assets, which total almost one billion dollars. <laughs> yes, and that's in nineties money, so that would have been, uh, you know, even two, two <laughs> billion dollars. <Yeah. laughs> when you get past the yeah. billion point, I'm like, why do you even bother keeping track? You just have so much. You have all the money. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, I, I mean, and we're gonna get to it, but when when Jay kind of takes control of the family fortune, he actually does. Some or he tries to do some good things with it. Just surprising. This is this is one of uh, Jay's most altruistic sort of episodes. He's really playing the straight man, as it were, which is strange because he's usually the one who's the foil to everybody else. <laughs> yeah, and, and definitely the most. Um, I won't go so far to say left wing, but definitely one of the more liberal uh, uh, episodes of this show, which tends to have, I think, a, a kind of a lot of conservative tinged humor, like a lot of anti-Clintonism mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, but like they actually have kind of an anti, uh, billionaire message in this episode, which is kind of, kind of cool. What, what, uh, yeah, these are all like squarely, I would say Gen X sort of, of writers, probably like the older Gen X. Cause they, the later they, you know, in one of the bits where, uh, where he's examining that, like the, uh, the, the fortune or the, the companies and assets, they, they, they make fun of other Gen Xers. But I, I think there's something to the politics of Gen X comedians, that they're just really contrarian rather than and anti-establishment of any kind mm. rather than having left or right le- leading uh, politics whatsoever. Probably a lot of libertarians are in the, the Gen X camp. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. That makes that makes sense. But for, for the but for the purpose of this episode, they really yeah they set they set up him up with a lot of really progressive like even anti-smoking stances, which at the time like '95 was starting to see a sort of a, a turning of the tide against cigarettes. But it wasn't it wasn't as ubiquitous as it is uh, now to 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 uh, consider smoking to be disgusting. Right. Uh, probably yeah. Uh, because, uh, not, not to get you ahead of ourselves, but yeah, he, uh, Jay immediately becomes overwhelmed by the prospect of having to, like, uh, look over all the assets. So he goes and, like, visits all the companies his family owns to see where his money's coming from. <laughs> yeah. And surprisingly, all the companies are 
just cartoonishly just hideously evil uh <laughs> But anyway, yeah, let's let's save that. Um, first, we get... Yeah, so back on the show, Jay is reviewing The Bodyguard 2, where basically Whitney Houston has been replaced by the three tenors. We will always love you. Hey, fellas. I think he's a dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they do a good cut where where he walks out carrying all three of them on each other's yeah. shoulders on top of him, and the and the three tenors do a beautifully harmonized, uh, not quite to the tune of the Dolly Parton song. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was always of you, and then and then Costner, uh, by the uh, is overwhelmed by their talent and their weight, yep. and he collapses <laughs> yeah. underneath them. <laughs> And Pavarotti, I think that's the Pavarotti one, uh, goes, ah, oh, fellas, I think he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so good. But back on the island, um, Franklin and Eleanor are actually doing very well for themselves. Uh, Franklin's already built a cottage. Oh, but the, uh, the penguin is uh, still there, just not helping out at all, just kind of doing his own thing. Why, Franklin, what a lovely house you've built. No thanks to him. Quang, 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 quang. No, that, that, that penguin is a real nuisance to them. And do you think that this is like trying to show that Franklin uh, really like he had to take his own probably waspy sort of like pull yourself up by the bootstrap sort of advice that he was just like letting people hold his hand too much at home because you know Eleanor's like Franklin you're you're more you know view <laughs> that I've seen you in a moment <laughs> and he's his hair color's even going back darker than it was before he's like regressing in age <laughs> yeah so they don't really explain like why it happens but basically like them getting marooned on this island is exactly what they needed to fix their marriage basically <laughs> um, yeah, Franklin actually does like productive things like building the, um, <laughs> building the cottage. And then later the, he builds, he manages to build a jacuzzi somehow. Yeah. And I wouldn't even call it a co cottage cause it looks like it is like a, like a multi-story mansion that happens to be made out <laughs> of like, <laughs> maybe be made out of like Island, uh, like uh, trees and stuff like palm trees and stuff. It's, it, it's amazing. And he, they even have sourced out in this point. Had we seen the, the ape Butler yet? Cause I could save that. Oh, uh, yeah. We have not, we have not gotten to the ape Butler quite yeah, yet. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Uh, oh yeah. So this is, is kind of where we get into uh margo is looking over maps of the south pacific and jay decides he's going to uh, find out where the family fortune actually comes from oh well okay so he he just that <laughs> in this scene he just decides he's going to do that then that night that's when eleanor or eleanor's like ghost i mean she's still alive but like her spirit or whatever appears to margo yeah, you, you can't think about the logic of a lot of the bits in this episode uh, yeah. too hard or they will not stand up. Yeah, but El uh, Eleanor arrives and goes, Margo. Mom, does this mean you're dead? No, you're thinking of Barbara Stanwyck. Margo, you must never stop searching. Let my love guide you. Let my love. 
That's a rather sheer nighty for a girl your age. Oh, you have to listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> and very much in that blue uh, sort of like a uh, glow that you have on uh, the Star Wars characters at the end when they're when they're when they return to look over at like Luke. <laughs> right. Um. And then she also kind of <laughs> just criticizes uh, um, the the nightgown that Margot is wearing, being like, you know, that's awfully revealing for a sixteen year old or, or whatever she says. Yeah, and 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 Margot is heartened to think that her this means that her mother is still alive, and <laughs> and Eleanor's not ghost uh, fades off saying, and remember, petting doesn't make you popular. <laughs> just shaming her as she goes back into the ether yeah. and Mar- and Mar- Margot's whirling around in her chair so excited to think that she's gotten a sign from the you know from from the fates that that, that they're going to find their parents but she gets interrupted by the ghost of Orson Welles <laughs> but i have gone to a better place a place filled with mrs pell's fish sticks mm. yes oh yes they're even better when you're dead mm. Who is still? Uh, he still has those fish sticks. Amazingly, I think. That, I think that the, the function of that joke, besides just being fun uh, to listen to that great Orson Welles impression, uh, was probably the, them again going like, "Oh wait, Orson Welles has been dead for a decade. We need to make yeah. sure that, that joke that people understand like the the unities of time uh, from when that <laughs> video took place, so that they they bring him back to be a ghost to establish like we the show the critic understand that Orson Welles is dead. Right. <laughs> it's what I think is what I think they were going for with that. Yes. And he also did um, he did a lot of commercials and stuff towards the end of his career because he, I don't know, couldn't make movies anymore. Yeah, he was doing stuff like Boone's Farm wine commercials, stuff stuff like yeah. that, where uh, you know, just the sort of thing, you know, when you, when you've lost, uh, you know, the 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 sheen on on your identity and image as an actor, uh, sometimes you take some 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 roles that you don't necessarily want. Oh, like on the on the I was watching on the Crackle website, uh, which mm-hmm. is where uh, you're able to access a lot of these now. I don't know if you get the same ads I do, but it was very much like a sort of like uh, live imitating art uh, moment where where I was seeing all of these uh, commercials for Shaq. Uh, Oh. <laughs> sponsoring the general insurance <laughs> auto insurance <laughs> oh i thought you were gonna say the shack uh papa john's commercials because he no, also Shaq does is those. diversified you know he's not you know he he's not gonna go to the way of uh, of wells and just be tied down by one by one brand <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah um well but speaking of uh ads and uh brands uh this is where we get to jay investigating um his parents companies and the first one he goes to is the sherman ad agency and i loved the uh the sign says our slogans are you know um catchy yeah it's complete with commas and you know the awkward pauses you understand no they, yeah. do, they do they always do great visual like text uh gags for for, for anybody who's just paying attention to the backgrounds of things it's, ama- it's amazing oh yeah a lot of funny signs like whenever they go to a business um I, they kind of get that from the simpsons because they do this that same thing but yeah but it's so good um but at the at the ad agency they uh they show him this ad that is meant to appeal to gay Gen Xers. Okay, who is cuter, Uncle Jed or Jethro? Jethro was a bimbo. Uncle, Uncle Jed. Jed. Okay, okay, on Bewitched, Darren number one or Darren number two? I liked Uncle Arthur. <laughs> 
Yeah, and this is supposed to be setting the. I uh, again put this into the into the the zeitgeist of the uh, the mid nineteen nineties. Uh, them setting up that this is who they're catering to is supposed to show that like this is a dog shit company that's not doing well or yeah. is doing well <laughs> despite itself. Uh, and uh, they went. And, uh, I I want to say that this was probably trying to. T- you know, uh, take on sort of like the HBO and MTV sort of uh, uh, advent of like the more documentary sort of like sort of fly on the wall style of advertising uh, and and uh, TV movie making that what hadn't really caught up uh, until until this point in, in pop culture. And so you it's a very weird, like uh, hard cut to like a, a bar, a gay bar. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's 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 it's, it's so crass and tasteless. They start on the pink triangle that they use on homosexuals <laughs> in, the, in the Holocaust. And then the, <laughs> the pink triangle morphs into billiard billiard balls at the bar to show that, you know, homosexuals like uh, unlike the noble homosexual of the Holocaust survival. These are ones who are just frivolously uh, twittering away in bars talking about TV trivia uh, as two as two open homosexual right. I, I, I'm gay myself so don't worry yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually gay and trans which is very important for the setting of, uh, of talking about and oh, unpacking yes. this and, particular joke uh, in case it, people it, didn't it, know yeah yeah it, uh, they're, they're, yeah there's two uh, two gay people uh, one who's very very visibly trans it, it's like but in that like <laughs> In that, in that really, uh, what was probably them trying to be problematic uh, of what uh, someone who looks almost like a man, but just he has huge tits <laughs> and, and big eyelashes. <laughs> and I was like, oh yeah, that's a, that's like a trans woman who's in her first year, maybe first six months of hormones. I get you. <laughs> <laughs> and and they're just and they're supposed to be sh- uh, showing how. Uh, uh, superficial and uh, disgusting uh, gay, gay men are by just discussing uh, what what TV show was it? Jethro and Uncle it was- shit. Is that is that Green Acres or? It was Beverly Hillbillies, but then they also oh, yeah. talk about Bewitched. No, first they're just like, which of the characters from the Beverly Hillbillies do you want to fuck? Because yeah. you're supposed to, you know, uh, you know, who wants to fuck any of the Beverly Hillbillies? Uh, and then they're like, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, then uh, which Darren on Bewitched do you want to do you want to fuck? And then it cuts to uh, Paul Lynn sitting there going, "Yeah, I was always partial to the uncle." Yeah. <laughs> Just a bizarre, bizarre segment of uh, a great uh, display of homophobia. Love it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that was one of probably one of my first uh, impressions of what a, uh, what a trans person would look like. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love how they, they kind of do the, like, they kind of do the handheld camera look. Yeah, uh, I love with, that. With uh, animation. Yeah, I kind of. I, I, what, because I want to say the real world was probably like 94, right? And I think that I think the first season of the real world had like an openly gay character on it, so I want to say maybe that was what they were trying to, you know, uh, lampoon. But I can't be sure. Uh, there, there's probably a lot of good Gen X queer stuff at the time that was like repulsing these writers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure this was bef- like before Will and Grace, or like you know, I don't think there were yeah, any shows sure. that had an openly gay character on it yet. Yeah, no, and uh, these were definitely not the sort of uh, characters who would be on Will and Grace. Like they did, they went out of their right. way to show like that these men were wearing uh, obviously women's clothing, and and <laughs> Will and Grace was much more of an assimilationist show where uh, the entire gag uh, was that Will was the sort of gay gay person that was a respectable gay person, uh, as, as opposed to Jack who was just a flaming faggot. You know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, uh, this he, you know, in in this universe. Uh, on, on the critic, uh, ho- homosexuals are, are deviant sex per- perverts who talk about uh, sitcom characters. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah, not great representation there. So Jay's like, oh, not doing well in marketing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and then we uh, go from there to Sherman Chemicals. Again, another great slogan. We put the harm in pharmaceuticals. Yeah, and uh, where we go into like this really creepy looking uh, laboratory slash factory where they're like pumping these vials full of liquid. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like straight out of Frankenstein. It's like dank, and there's like brick walls, and uh, but yeah, this is where we get kind of the you know the um, more liberal or anti-capitalist message because um, Jay finds out they pr- there's this drug that they produce for a penny and then sell it for $10. You mean this costs us a penny to make and we sell it for $10? I won't stand for this. Here, drink this. Profits good, price controls bad. I mean, maybe that's where that Martin Shkreli guy got his idea. The guy who, <laughs> <laughs> who went to prison. Is that what he went to prison for? Because he was, like, marking it up or something? Or probably something that was unrelated oh, to that. Oh, well, that's not what he went to jail for. He went to jail, I think, just for, like, uh, I don't know, like, um, what's it when you get caught lying in court? What's that called? Oh, 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 oh. Uh, held in contempt or something? Or, no, 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 that's contempt. <laughs> uh, no, <yeah. laughs> No, but of, but of course it wasn't for for him uh, gou- gouging prices and probably putting sentencing people to death because they can't afford his medications. Of course it would not be. No, that. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was it was for like lying to investors or something. Oh yes, of course. But yeah, but uh, so yeah, so Jay realizes that this markup's happening and he's like Medicare for all. Like you said, like, this is a very for the time, especially this was a very far left uh, stance to be taking. Uh, try pointing out the evils of of the healthcare industry, uh, jacking up prices. Prices. And, and the and the and the scientist swiftly goes into action to make sure that he not he's not worried about it. By does, does he does, does she straight up like inject him with something or no? She literally just like hands him a glass and says, "Here, drink this." And... Right, it's it's very Looney Tunes. And he's just like, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he turns into a zombie and is like, "Corporate greed is yeah. good." <laughs> it's yeah. Oh yeah, I had in my notes here. It's liquid capitalism. Is what he drinks. <laughs> uh, so from there, we go to Franklin Cigarettes, makers of Flem Fatale brand cigarettes. Yeah, and... their tagline is, uh, cough up and see me sometime. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, classic. And then, yeah, this is where we get, oh, that the great, they, they are marketing their cigarettes to children via the Humphrey the Hippo show. Now, to encourage kids to smoke, we've recruited Humphrey the Hippo. Hey, kids, have you been smoking like I asked you to? Yeah, I'm up to four packs a day. Today, Humphrey's gonna teach you all what happens when you get a lung removed. <gasps> you get ice cream! Yay! Yeah. <coughs> Yay! Yeah, uh, a real take on, I, I do remember at the time uh, we were starting to see the backlash from Joe Joe the Camel being the, the sponsor uh, of Camel Cigarettes because, like, they really, they made him as, as cartoonish as possible and put him in cartoons, like, right up against, like, you know, Chester Cheeto. Uh, and, and I, although I don't 100% buy, you know, that, like, a cartoon character will make children want to uh, smoke cigarettes, uh, I, I also can understand why it's not necessarily, like, it's in that gray area of, of capitalist ethics, <laughs> the way you're right. marking with a mascot. <laughs> That's and true. this one, he's uh, Humphrey the Hippo is kind of like a Barney sort of surrogate for the show where he's got like a group of children around him. And he's like, did you smoke the packs of cigarettes like I told you, kids? <laughs> yeah. And then they get uh, Doris Grau, who usually voices the 
uh, hairstylist, they get her to voice one of the kids because she's got that really, you know, deep, growly voice. Yes, Humphrey, I'm up to four packs a day, just like you said. Ah, <laughs> uh, so good. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then the, um, you know, of course, Jay is against that. He wants it to stop. And the executive says, like, hey, if it's a crime to encourage children to smoke and have sex, then lock me up. I need a hug. And then he gets locked up. He doesn't what get away with it. One of the darkest so. jokes, like, for a very dark show. Yeah. Pretty, <laughs> he just, yeah. He's, he's in a paddy wagon and just, like, says, I need a hug. And he gets dragged off yeah. to oblivion. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and I do remember also, like, in the mid-90s when this show was made, uh, so much anti-Barney humor, like... It was just the show that everyone loved to hate. Oh, no. Any show for toddlers is going to be – because I work uh, – I won't say where, uh, but I work in programming that is the same demographic as Barney. And the way that they set things up uh, is, you know, toddlers are sort of learning to, to, to even just be able to have a grasp on, on language and, like, uh, and comprehension – they speak a lot slower and they speak a lot like a lot in a really corny fashion most of the time. And uh, I could I could understand that just being like the bane of your existence. If you're a sophisticated TV writer, <laughs> maybe yeah. you have children <laughs> and you, you just want to blow your brains out every time you have to watch it. So I, I can understand wanting to lampoon that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Jay says he's going to use the family fortune for noble causes. Uh, but before we. You know, or before he lands on what that exactly is going to be, he he traps Regis and Kathy Lee in a box and ships them to California. And then immediately another train pulls up and it's, it's like, oh, they they sent one back and it pulls out and it's it's the it's the crate from Jurassic Park that says Roseanne on it. <laughs> Roseanne, uh. Roseanne had been on for like uh like four years, maybe five years at this point. So it wasn't necessarily because she was a new commodity either. She was like probably at the the height of her like uh queen monster executive producer phase, which is why they would uh right. they would do this bit of her <laughs> of her being like a, a Godzilla type creature. <laughs> but yeah, just two very topical, very nineties jokes. Um, yeah, Regis and Kathy Lee. <laughs> And then Roseanne. So Jay's next idea is he greases the train tracks to make the train run quieter, which just causes the train to run off the rails into the ocean. <laughs> he immediately goes, oh, yeah, blame the guy with a bucket of grease. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's <clears throat> that was good. But, yeah, just a very simple, straightforward joke there. Um, next, let's see. Oh, he's at – so apparently – Franklin and Eleanor have two giant statues of themselves, I guess, in like Central <laughs> Park or, or wherever. But yeah, Jay is, um, uh, you know, uh, like he's saying sorry that he hasn't been able to honor them. And then he like looks away for a second and then the stanch the statues get horribly vandalized. Yeah, just tagged to hell. <laughs> and that is what Jay what or that is what gives Jay his grand idea to clean up New York City, which you know, he could have just shut down those horrible businesses that his family owns, but... Oh, that would stop making him money. So instead, he's going to do this. Uh, and right as he has his uh, eureka moment, uh, they, they need to cut to commercial. So they he's interrupted by a now even larger-than-life Roseanne, who's like several stories tall, comes tearing through uh, New York City like Godzilla, and everyone runs for their life. <laughs> I vow to use my family fortune to clean up 
New York. Run for your life! Roseanne's on the loose! And that's the last we see of uh, Roseanne, so I guess they shipped her off to Isla Nublar or whatever. But uh, uh, So when we come back, <laughs> Jay is at a press conference. He's announcing his plan to clean up New York. And they do this kind of New York Post joke. The reporter takes uh, a few liberties with Jay's story and prints the headline, Nude Jay Sherman Leaves Headless Corpse in Marla Maple's Soup. Yeah, because he because the the, the 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 reporter asked to take liberties and Jay says no, and then that's when it ends <laughs> up is it, a completely different story. <laughs> yeah, so um, so yeah, tabloid magazines used to be a, a huge thing. You'd see them yeah. uh, at the checkout counter of uh, every uh, grocery store and whatnot. Because you got to remember, this is pre Twitter when people could actually go and fact check these things for people. Right. So you you just had you just had like these these magazines putting out whatever the fuck they wanted. Because this is when we started seeing the twenty four hour news cycle of like the Tanya Harding of it all and like OJ had OJ happened yet in ninety five. I I don't remember the exact timeline. Let's see. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I know the actual murder happened in ninety four. Yeah, so like we were just in in this like broiling soup of, of journalism. Uh, we all realizing, oh yeah, there's probably a lot of muck still to break, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you know, just thankfully in the intervening years, we've come so much further, and it's so much harder for uh, fake news to get any sort of uh, traction now. <laughs> Yes, we have perfect I'm, ethics in yes. journalism, and everything uh, is exactly as it is. Yeah, as and, and, and you know, people, yeah. you know, they wait till the evidence comes in before they weigh in on stuff. It's, yes, yes, it's yes. great. We are truly an enlightened civilization now. Thank goodness. Yes. All <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Uh, oh, so this is where we check back in on the island with Franklin and Eleanor, um, and yeah, this is where we get the monkey butler, who I noticed was named uh, Shackle Ape. Because their uh, their human butler back home is named Shackleford. No, they gotta get the most uh, popular character. Uh, another, you know, a refrain, <laughs> Shackleford. <Yeah. laughs> and I and I hate it because they try to make him kind of even look like Shackleford. So the the ape is like a really grotesque looking like humanoid hybrid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Who kind of just goes. <laughs> and yeah, the um, yeah the the uh, ape kind of has. Um, I think he kind of has eyes for Eleanor, basically. Like, he kind of... Well, he, he resents Franklin because Franklin's the boss who orders him around and everything. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, we, like, see him plotting to um, <laughs> to crush Franklin's head with a rock. Yeah, he yeah, he's in he's in a hot he's in the hot tub that Franklin built with two uh, ape humanoid chicks, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and he's just uh, plotting how he's going to uh, kill his boss uh, yeah. while he sleeps. <laughs> So that so yeah so Franklin and Eleanor are doing great. Um, uh, back in New York, Jay's uh, clean up New York campaign is in full swing. I like this little joke where Jay is like cleaning up a, a wall of graffiti, but one piece of graffiti says Stallone bites, so he he leaves that up. Uh, he looks good. back at the camera like, "Ain't yeah. I a stinker?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Are they? Was the critic? Were, were any of the people on the critic friends with Stallone? Why did they have it like that? Why was that? It looked as like they were trying to make sure Stallone would see it and go, ah, and like shake his <laughs> fist at Shay Sherman." <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the show ha has like. They have to make sure that we know that Jay only loves, you know, the best movies. He doesn't like, you know, this action schlock. 
Oh, yes, nothing pedestrian, yes. Anything Stallone would be in would not be good enough for him. Got it, got it. Yeah, he's a movie (laughs) critic before he's a a city cleaner. I get you. (laughs) Right, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We also see him spray deodorant in the Statue of Liberty's armpit. Got to get her fresh and clean, I understand. (laughs) He power washes the public library. He knocks off the L to turn it into the pubic library uh immediately a crowd comes rushing up excited to go in and see what uh, what a pubic library entails <laughs> uh and once they get inside they're there for a good a beat and then go oh yes disappointed very- <laughs> it was just books <laughs> yeah very good timing on that gasp of, of disappointment <laughs> then penny alice's daughter uh sticks a piece of gum on a giant gumball that starts rolling down the street indiana jones style uh, ends up crushing Bryant Gumbel, so the headline is Gumball Crushes Gumbel, which I think <laughs> is the the whole reason they did that whole little gag, so they could have that headline. Oh, yeah, and, and also at the uh, it, it was interrupted to, uh, of them getting in a good dig on Goldie Hawn by calling her 100 yes. years old. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's just it just comes out of nowhere, and it's such a quick throwaway line, but yeah. Uh, what I, oh, a, a piece of writing rhythm that I really appreciated for the transition of that, as they were saying, because it was a, and it's it's like the weird hybrid of, uh, of, uh, of a text gag into a, a spoken gag, but it, yeah, it's uh, a gumball crushes gumble, and then uh, the reporter, is it a reporter uh, right now? After that, uh, says uh, something about gumption, and I was like, "Oh, that's a great uh, alliteration." And I'm an, I'm just a writing nerd, so that, that's oh. just something I noticed. But <laughs> <laughs> at last, someone's had the gumption to roll up his sleeves and clean up the litter in this town. If you ask me, Jay Sherman's a hero. Good night. That's right, I'm a hypocrite. Who wants a piece of me? Come on! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I was like, ah, that's why you got the Ivy League education and not me. <laughs> so, Margot is still looking over the um, the nautical maps, and then uh, Vlada, the restaurant owner, shows up with uh, a flight recorder that he just so happened to uh, find. We were selling bouillabaisse made with fresh fish from the South Pacific when... Vlada... There's a black box in my soup. I will get you a new bowl immediately. Sorry, mama. There's an old lady stocking in my soup. She is not so old. I mean, that's a noodle. Yeah, he's like, it was in a, bu- a bouillon base that came from the South Pacific. And then uh, Jeremy Hawk, Jay's uh, uh, Australian friend, is like, there's uh, something in my soup. And so he takes it, goes into the kitchen to his, his uh, mother, and, and she's soaking her feet while she knits. He grabs the bowl, <laughs> the, 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 the bowl, you know, she's been soaking her feet and it just takes that out as the replacement. Right. <laughs> it's such a disgusting <laughs> bit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so disgusting that she goes uh, when he when Vlada comes back out of the the uh, the flashback, she just goes, "Why did you tell me that story?" <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, so good. And, and it turns out like this is such a weird layered joke because she's like, "Why did you even tell me that that happened?" And then he goes. Because if I told you what really happened, it would be too horrific for you to even comprehend. <laughs> so now we don't actually know where Vlada got that box. <laughs> oh, like God, it turns out right. he ma- it turns it turns out that he made that story up because the real one was too weird. <laughs> uh, the Vlada character is actually uh, that whole uh, his whole thing. It, uh, 
uh, is, is interesting to me. Uh, this is another episode where uh, Jay's son joins the Model UN, but we meet mm-hmm. uh, Vlada's son. And uh, did you know that uh, his son is can- uh, Vlada's son is canonically a trans man uh, or a trans boy huh. rather? Because it's a, a Model UN talent show, and the Model UN uh, like principal or host or whatever uh, says, and now for a boy who used to be a girl. Oops, oh, that's right. Now that's not a secret anymore. <laughs> and then his son comes out to sing, and I and I, I was just like, whoa. As I was as I because I, I I had just like Googled that character, and I was like, what a weird character. And I, I was like, this show this show probably puts so many weird uh, <laughs> like. like insinuations of what trans identity was for me to have to just like internalize over the next few decades before I came out myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there, there are, I mean, um, there's not a lot on this show, but there are just a few like references to transgenderism that, that pop up here and there. And it's, it, it was, yes, it's, it's it was never at the great. time, <laughs> it, you know, it's not much better now, but at the time it really was the go-to of like, who, who's your freak? We need a freak real quick. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I want to say, you know, retroactively, I really appreciate Vlada. Uh, maybe it's something about being European was accepting enough to let his son transition. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So that's, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome that he, uh, that's the silver lining I'm going to grasp yeah. to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we've got the uh, flight recorder now. So Margot uh, listens to it, and yeah, we hear just another kind of fun exchange with between Franklin and the Penguin. This is ground control. You're 200 miles east of Fiji. The plane's going to crash, and our pilot's a penguin. <laughs> no, I will not pray with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I won't pray with you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that also reveals their, uh, like, their location, basically. So, yeah. So Margot kind of sets off to find them. Oh, yeah. And then we we kind of wrap up the Jay cleaning up New York plotline with he gets, like, a public commendation. And they throw him a ticker tape parade, which just immediately <laughs> just throws a bunch of trash all over New York. All yeah, over it just again. spirals out of control. People are dumping tires out of their windows. They're flipping cars. Uh, you know, people are pissing on the on. The, I don't know if anyone pisses, but it just yeah. immediately <laughs> uh, the entire yeah. And NYC destroys itself, celebrating getting clean. <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, but uh, Margot. Like I guess she charters a plane, but they she lands a plane, um, or she she's kind of flying her plane over the island, and she sees their uh, vacation home. No, uh, it, no, it, it, this is just something that is like kind of like they realized they were they had gotten to the end of the episode and they needed to wrap it up, so they're just suddenly there. <laughs> yeah, they suddenly they're like, oh, if only we had some sort of sign, and then they fly. They have an over uh, bird's eye view where it says, you know, uh, it says uh, Sherman Estates <laughs> has right. been mowed into the grass, and then also yeah. uh, ha- it's an extenuating gag where it also brags that they have a tennis expert on the premises. <laughs> and, <laughs> and we cut to Eleanor and the eight. Butler uh, uh, teaching her teaching her tennis and holding her a little yep. bit too close. And we're about to have we're about to have a soap opera moment between uh, <laughs> Shackle is it Shackle Ape and Franklin? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that uh, Shackle Ape definitely has intentions for Eleanor. Uh, but uh, but yeah, Margot and Jay arrive and they like you know they want to get them off the island but then franklin's like you know but uh, what what's the rush we got a whole vacation home right here 
So they end up with, well, Jay ends up in what looks like a hot tub, but they he's actually being boiled alive. Dad, I think they're planning to eat us. Oh, don't be ridiculous. I'm their hero. Ooh. And then I loved this pun, which I definitely did not catch the first couple times I watched the episode. Franklin says, you know, like, oh, don't be ridiculous. I'm their hero. And he's being made into a hero sandwich. Oh, I didn't even get that. That's amazing. Uh, yep, yep. <laughs> um, so. That's not, that's not used, Rachel. Yeah, hero is another term for, like, sub-sandwiches. He's just, but he's right. in a giant, like, two, between two pieces of bread. And <laughs> and, uh, and, the, and uh, Shackle Ape is putting the, the little toothpick into him. And it's just, uh, again, straight up Bugs Bunny where it's, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. people being boiled and uh, alive in pots of soup and, and, and eating eating in giant sandwiches. And it just ends there. It, it's just yep. one of my favorite, like, and the show's <laughs> over <laughs> sort of bits. I, I love Next week, they're just back to normal like that never happened. No, and I love – that was one of the things that I loved about the 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 critic is it's nihilistic, hard, uh, you know, way of subverting all of these sitcom tropes about – you know, it's like the – it was the anti-Full House where everything was not going to get wrapped up neatly after 25 minutes, you know, and two commercial breaks. Uh, Jay Sherman's life would always uh, be in complete misery, and then they would just reset it. You know, it's his own uh, personal hell that he has to live through. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, yeah, they, they're they definitely... And we reap all the benefits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not afraid to make Jay's life uh, hell. Um, uh, but yeah, that, that takes us to the end of this episode. Uh, was there anything we uh, missed that you wanted to talk about? Or um, kind of feel like no, we... No, uh, in general, I, I just... Uh... I was I was watching this show. I was just marveling at how gorgeous, like I said, the animation style is. Uh, not not to say that like I'm not happy that we have uh, better probably. Uh labor conditions for the people who do animated with digital you know you're not chained to your desk having to get all these things out but it did make me go like oh man they were able to capture like such beautiful um motion and, and fluidity and do such great sight gags in a way that i don't i don't know if it's just the way that they've changed the way that they write these sitcoms now that they get they uh Somebody was also talking about how this was the, uh, the same with Spongebob. They were talking about how uh, the literal uh, confines of paper uh, and, and how that scale would affect the, the, the person drawing it would also, like, uh, affect the way that they would draw scale and how they would do, like, visual bits and stuff. And I feel like a lot of, a lot of the way that uh, uh, animated uh, sitcoms for adults now is really followed in that Apatow way of two people in mid shots, just having discussions all the time. And it doesn't quite have the, the sort of like, uh, you know, fantasticness that, uh, uh, just in, in the art quality, uh, that, that it used to not to be like in a back in my day sort of person, right. but I was just, it just made me so nostalgic for how gorgeous it all was. And, and thank you for, uh, for, for inviting me on. Cause, uh, like I said, I, I, this show was really formative to me in, in my, in my sensibility, the way that I, you know, the way that I, way that i act and uh i hadn't probably watched this show in in a good half decade at least so it, and uh, although some bits very much did not hold up in terms of uh <laughs> yeah uh, being cr crude and lewd and uh and problematic uh the, the writing is still rock solid in my opinion from the the low to the highbrow <laughs> yeah i mean other than the the problematic elements obviously a lot of the jokes are still hilarious uh a lot of great gags um yeah i think this is one of those shows that 
it hasn't really found a second life like on home video or on streaming or anything like that but i always thought it should have like i always thought it deserved to be more popular um and it got why don't zoomers want to see a, a small balding man who wants to just <laughs> <laughs> tear everything to shit <laughs> yeah and, and who thinks he's better than everyone yeah <laughs> oh awesome um uh, but Reed, I know you also have your own podcast. Oh yeah. Yeah, tell us about uh, Library Hours. Oh no, and it probably speaks even more to to how the show shaped me because on it I do a lot of pop culture analysis myself, and I just say everything stinks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, Library Hours is uh, a limited uh, podcast I'm se- uh, series I'm doing over the uh, the course of the year uh, 2021. Uh, I have uh, it's a monthly podcast. Uh, that is uh, free free to access on Spotify and, and uh, YouTube. And uh, I have on uh, t- uh, 12 guests uh, once every month uh, to uh, kind of just examine different corners of, of marginalized identity in a, in a non-obvious way. Uh, so I, I had somebody on in the first episode who was a PR specialist, and I had him play a fun game of uh, historical celebrity uh, spin where he has to try to – I give him, like, historic, like a historical queer celebrities who get in trouble, and he had to, like, give us the PR. PR spin, uh, like how the Kardashians do to get out of trouble. So I have him uh, try to explain uh, how to get like Oscar Wilde out of trouble when he got arrested uh, uh, for being gay. And uh, Marie Antoinette, I, I was like, how would you have gotten her out of her like let, let them eat cake scenario? Uh, but I also do like more serious analysis. Uh, I have uh, I have on everyone from uh, drag queens uh, to people who work in the sex work industry uh, to uh, people who are TV writers. I have I have a Family Guy, a former Family Guy TV writer on uh billy domino uh and uh i i it was really just my way of trying to create like a time capsule of all the people in my personal life who i think have really really a fantastic thing to say and just give them one more forum for them to to sort of explain what their lives are like so uh uh yeah very very queer queer positive uh, the very opposite of the of the marketing company that (laughs) (laughs) yes awesome uh, so that's Library Hours. Uh, you mentioned it's on Spotify and YouTube. Uh, yeah, iTunes, most most any place that you can uh, that you can get get your podcast. I, I just put it up on YouTube because I uh, that was the easiest place for me to uh, make sure that people had closed captions. Uh, oh, nice, awesome, uh, cool. All right, well then, and then did you want to plug your social media or, or anything like that? Anything else? Oh sure, yeah. If you want to have my thoughts on more things, you can uh, you can reach me on at uh, that Reed Bryce on on Twitter. Awesome. Uh, cool. Well, yeah, thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I- I'm glad you uh, enjoyed it. And we will be back next week with another episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow. Our theme song is by Brandon Beck. You can email the podcast at itstinkspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at ItStinksPod. 